Welcome to Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we are going to talk about the Holy Spirit and um, how different Christian streams view him and why is he such a dividing point Hmm. among Christianity. Is that how you feel about that, John? Is that my framing that right? No, it sounds great. Yeah. Okay. And it makes or break certain certain denominations for some reason he he can be a dividing line for some people and scare others and freak some people out and other people you know get really obsessed where (laughs) Mm -hmm. where interaction with the spirit is the only thing they want to talk about so yeah it's going to be a great conversation so before we do that it's uh joke and story time but before we do that oh wow uh let's just confess our apology for uh, releasing this particular episode on a Tuesday instead yes. of a Monday or even a Friday for our Patreons. So I was in Orlando and gone for uh, a conference all week and we didn't get a chance to record. So uh, thank you for your patience with us. And this is a Tuesday episode. Yeah, special special edition. A special Tuesday edition, episode. Tuesday edition. Also last uh, episode, I couldn't remember the name of an author. And as soon as I was driving home, obviously I remembered who it was and it was killing me. Uh, it was Ernest Hemingway. Was Ernest the, Hemingway. Yeah. What, what, was, what were we talking about with Ernest the, Hemingway? The two different types of masculine authors with uh, 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 Walt Whitman on one end and then this nameless author, so niche, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't remember his name. <laughs> Is Ernest Hemingway? Yeah, yeah. One of Wouldn't the it be cool, John, if someday, long after you're dead, somebody's talking about this author, and oh, I, I can't believe I forgot <laughs> who he was, and then I remembered it was Jonathan Ladd. This, you know, that'd be pretty sweet. That right? would be sweet. I don't know if I'll care much long after I'm dead. Well, but. no, but it'd be cool to have that be the reality of the impact of your life. So uh, that's kind of a cool thing to even pray about. Like, Lord, let that be true of me one day that people are. I've always my authorship. I've always been weird. Can can you pray that like your own name be that big? Well, I don't know about fame. Is not would not be the prayer. The prayer would be that you had influence. That mm. you that you were able to contribute to so many lives. That's good. Yeah, I think that dog will hunt. I like that <laughs> too. I'll. I mean, maybe if I pray for it enough. Yeah. Well, I mean, it takes a lot more than prayer. There's a conversation we're going to have on a future episode (laughs) about the balance between um, favor from God and Mm. and stewarding well the gifts of God. And so it's both a receive from God and a uh, perform with discipline and excellence. Sure. Uh, equation. I really want to talk about that. So that'll be a future Please. episode. Yeah. First, so we normally, we've been doing almost exclusively stories, but it's also story and joke time. It's in the title. So That's true. So uh, yeah, your turn today. What do you got? I, I got a joke for us. And um, there was a stretch of our lives where we lived in Montana. Mm. Beautiful place, big sky country. And uh, when we moved to Montana, I had lived nowhere but the city. And so I was mm. unfamiliar with all things mountain man. <laughs> I did not know how to uh, saw down trees, split wood. I had never hunted a day in my life. Um, And so I acquired quite a uh, chest of man um, training and equipping living in Montana. We only lived there two and a half years, but 
Uh, I, I meant like a treasure chest. Uh, okay. Uh, you know, a vault. <laughs> I didn't know if you meant that's when you got hair on your chest. <laughs> in Montana. I, I already had a handful of hairs on my chest okay. when we went there. Um, unlike you, I am not a Wookiee. I don't know where you got all this hair from. Mm. Um, anyway, um, the thing about Montana that's so epic is, you know, bears. They're, they're awesome. And grizzly bears are, they're like the common talked about legend, kind of mm-hmm. like Sasquatch is in the Pacific Northwest. Only these are real. I view them kind of more like great, great white sharks. There you like go. All sharks yes. are kind of intimidating. Yes. But, but the they, great white. Yeah, yes. Yeah. That is, that's, that's a better, that's a better uh, comparison. So I moved to, you know, we moved to Montana and. I was obsessed with just kind of going in the mountains and sitting among nature and seeing wildlife. And so I I was very young at this time. I don't remember. Yeah. You have no memories of this. I would, I would grab lunch um, and go up into the mountains. I could in, in seven minutes, I could be from our church into the mountains. Wow. And I could pull a lawn chair out of the back of my truck, sit in the woods and eat a lunch and watch. Wow. Listen to wildlife and squirrels. So this particular day, this was, is all unused wilderness. It wasn't oh yeah, like a campground oh, yeah. or anything. Yeah, yeah, that sounds nice. Oh, it's wonderful. And uh, the first time I went up there, this moose comes walking along, and <laughs> uh, and and I thought this is awesome. I mean, he was huge and scary. I'm sitting on the road, and he's crossing the road. He comes up a hill onto the road, and then he's going to go up into the timber mm-hmm. and keep climbing. And uh, so I jump out of the truck and I'm like, hey, moose, you know, I'm <laughs> talking to him and uh, I start throwing rocks at him. What? <laughs> how, how old were you at this time? <laughs> I'm a grown man. <laughs> I'm just kind of see if I can get this moose's attention, you know. And uh, he looks at me like, uh, who are you, you stupid idiot? You must not be from around here. Mm-hmm. And uh, finally, he makes his way up the hill and uh, I go back to eat my lunch. So that week. Yeah, that Sunday in church, I'm telling some guys in the church lobby about this. You know, hey, I I saw this moose. I'm up there having my lunch. Blah, blah, and they're like, well, um, what were you packing? I said, McDonald's. They said, no, 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 like a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, I don't own any weapons. You know, I don't yeah. have a gun. Oh, don't ever go in the mountains by yourself without a gun. Um, well, what kind of gun? They said, well, you know. Even a twenty-two pistol or something, but a forty-four would be ideal. Hmm. I'm like, why? I said, well, because if a grizzly bear comes, you know, you you want to have a gun. Yeah, sure. And I'm like, well, would a forty-four put a grizzly bear down? They said, well, it's not for the bear. It's for you to shoot yourself in the head while the bear's <laughs> eating you. <laughs> <laughs> and they're messing with me, I think, because I'm the city guy. You know, yeah. I don't know anything. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so then I start I start researching all things bears like how to mm-hmm. protect yourself because i keep wanting to go up in the woods and right and so i'm i'm reading this i'm reading this thing about uh bear protection so um, they say you know one thing you should do is put bells maybe on your clothing so that you make a lot of noise because hmm. uh, typically the the worst thing you can do is frighten a bear so sure. if they don't see you coming how you're sud- or you're suddenly between a bear and her cubs mm-hmm. it's game over i mean you're but if they're die. if they're aware of you then they will maneuver them right they'll they'll that. stay away from you you won't even see them like they won't even you'll never know they were there hmm. so to have bells on your clothing and to bring uh pepper spray hmm. and pepper spray is a deterrent like if they come at you you spray it in their face and it's supposed to like make them run away 
Um, and the third thing they said is you should recognize the sign. This is, uh, you know, um, hunter language for poop is sign. Oh. <laughs> so you look at the sign and wow. you can tell what kind of animal. So if you're tracking animals. A lot more animals, esteemed than poop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And so uh, you should be able to tell the difference between black bear sign and grizzly bear sign. That way you can tell if there's a grizzly bear in the area right. and be even more cautious. And so uh, black bear sign is a little bit larger and grizzly bear sign is smaller and it has bells in it and it smells like pepper spray. <laughs> <laughs> That was the joke there, uh, you know, of, of the bear. So there you go. That was a hybrid. That was a story and a that joke. That was a story and a joke. Uh, but that's one of my favorite things, you know, is that, <laughs> that idea of, you know, the bells and the pepper spray work so well. <laughs> uh, uh, I think that's actually, now that I remember it, the second bear joke you've told. On is the, it, on oh, yeah, because the guy hunting bears. Yeah. 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 I don't, maybe I got a bear thing. <laughs> you just might. <laughs> that means something different nowadays. You got you to gotta watch oh, out really? for that. Yeah. What does it mean nowadays to have a bear thing? What a, do you mean? A bear is like a, a, a type of man that people that, that other men are attracted to. They're what? big and hairy. You're yeah. making that no, up. No, I'm serious. That men are attracted to. Yeah, it's specifically like a, a homo erotic no thing. No way. I'm not. I'm, I'm not. telling you you're making this up and trying to <laughs> get me to say something stupid next time. This isn't the podcast to, to talk about. I'm not here to educate people on the you know, the practices of the gay community, but I'm just saying, don't go around saying you're into bears. Okay. You're a bear guy. Don't go duly, around saying you're a bear guy. Ding, <laughs> duly noted. All right. So, Hey John, we're going to talk about the Holy spirit today. And this is something you've been for a while saying, Hey dad, I want to do an episode on this. So get me started. What are, what are we doing? Yeah. So my personal, I've, I've uh, grew up in the church as I'm sure I've said on here probably a dozen times. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I don't know if it's, more often that people who are raised in the church have less, you know, uh, climactic spiritual experiences. Um, uh, but mm. I don't have a whole ton. I've never, uh, felt, you know, the baptism of the spirit. I've never spoken in tongues. Um, uh, but at the same time, I don't feel like I have a sterile stagnant relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless, I have a lot of questions about this. And when we talk about the Trinity, we have, you know, these, these pers- sure. personas and two of them are extraordinarily defined. And one of them, very markedly less defined. So, uh, yeah, those, those, that's a great setup for the whole conversation. Yeah. So, what I'm hearing you say is, I'm not sure I've had many spirit encounters mm-hmm. because you don't have a you don't have a history of goosebump experiences, hair standing up right. on my arms, um, kind well, of thing. I have a, those, those moments um, in worship or prayer. I have you know. More than those, where you just have a profound awareness. Hey, he's yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, but never like a, um, anything kind of audible or or one of these just huge, larger than life experiences. And I don't, I don't lament that, but I, it just I feel like I I lack an experience or mm-hmm. or a, you know, a, a territory. So, having not been knocked to the ground, right, or, or where the spirit takes over some function in your body or something, right, or yeah, or yeah. I've never witnessed a healing, you know. Okay. Uh, and then the other thing is you were saying um, that uh, the mystery of the Trinity, mm-hmm. the Father and the Son seem to be very clearly defined, right? both in function and role and mm-hmm. personality, while the Holy Spirit is a lot more vague. Yeah, and, and I guess what my, my uh, acting assumption of the Spirit is that he is the 
he's the telephone. You know, he's he's the mailman. And he, <laughs> he goes from the Father and the Son, who are up in heaven and very, very tangible, especially, you know, Jesus. And he comes with whatever, you know, he communicates. That's the whole the whole thing, I guess, with sure. like the veil being sure. torn. And, um, but I don't really know, like, when you think of what he would look like or or that he has his own uh, feelings and is his own kind of that he's person. A person. Exactly. Yeah. Instead of just a force, instead of just like an email account. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So he can be, he, he, it's mysterious enough where you could think he's like the force, like in right. Star Wars. Exactly. That's exactly may what the it force feels like. be with you. Yeah. And uh, may the spirit be with you. Yeah. Kind of thing. And so, um, well, this is great. This is a, this is a, a great setup for the conversation. And I, I hope that we can, uh, make some progress that you think, well, cause I might, you know, what I want to do is, you know, between us answer mm-hmm. questions that are helpful to you, but also, you know, to be useful to those who are listening in Yeah, hopefully on, uh, on this subject. Cause it is a, it is a, uh, in many ways under discussed, mm-hmm. uh, subject matter. So well, maybe it, let's go back to, yeah. um, the first appearance of the Holy Spirit is in Genesis one, mm-hmm. um, when uh, in the beginning God made created the heavens and the earth, and uh, the darkness covered the earth, and the Spirit it says hovered, and so you you see the Trinity in action really right away mm-hmm. as God speaks, and we find out in John one that Jesus is the the one by whom, for whom, and through whom all things are created. Right. But you have the Holy Spirit's participation there, and you see if you if you watch for, uh, there's an amazing volume of Holy Spirit activity throughout the Old Testament. Yeah, that's another another thing that I haven't really reconciled is, is Jesus talks as if the Holy Spirit has been inaccessible for all of humankind till he leaves, because he says, "When I go, mm-hmm. the Helper is going to come, and you should you should be thrilled." Yes. Uh, but then there there are people specifically who, who interacted with the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Uh, I'm struggling to think of names. Well, in in First Samuel 10, probably my favorite uh, example of this is when Saul, who is got no idea he's going to be named king. Mm-hmm. I mean, he thinks he's the least of the least of the least. He's out looking for lost donkeys, <laughs> and God tells Samuel that's going to be the king of Israel. Anoint him, and uh, what Samuel tells him is, "Hey, on your way home, you're going to come across these prophets." And the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and you're going to become a different person. Hmm. So you have episodes like that in the Old Testament where the Holy Spirit at times comes on or into or upon certain people, and they have phenomenal um, God encounters and God capacity flowing through them because of spirit activity. But hmm. in when Jesus talks about this in the New Testament, he says, hey, in John 14, he tells the disciples, it's good for you that I'm going to go away. They're grieving mm-hmm. that he said, he keeps saying he's going to leave. They don't understand crucifixion yet. Um, but he says, this is a good thing for you because if I don't go, the spirit won't come. And he says, I won't leave you as orphans. I will uh, give you another comforter. And these are key words because he, another there in the Greek means another of the same exact essence. So I'm going to give mm-hmm. you another just like me who's going to comfort you. Paraclete is the Greek word there. So that means one who comes alongside. Sure. And so what Jesus is saying is right now, Jesus is going to be in one place at one time with whoever happens to be in that space. But there's going to come a time after his crucifixion and resurrection 
where the spirit is going to come. And now I have been with you, but he will be in you. Mm -hmm. And so there's this promise that the Holy Spirit is going to come because of the resurrection of Jesus and the victory over death, that all believers are going to be actually uh, containers of the person of God. I, I like this phrase. It's kind of a weird phrase, but I like it. The ghost of Jesus is going to live in each of us, mm-hmm. and his spirit will dwell in us. In fact, the New Testament goes on to say, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not even a Christian, because this is what happens at conversion. This is this is how God bears witness with us that we are his children. Yeah, but so but this is kind of the thing I'm struggling with. So so if, if the spirit, if you could call it the ghost of Jesus, mm-hmm. it doesn't have a, a, a personhood there. It is just Jesus's personhood mm-hmm. in an ethereal kind of... Well, form. and Jesus is the physical incarnation of God, the father. So mm-hmm. that is a connection. You know, it's like, it's like, uh, the Russian dolls, you know, where you right. open it up, there's another one, open it up, there's another one. It's kind of like that. Uh, they are the same and yet they are expandable and see them apart. And so the Holy spirit is fully God, fully Jesus. Mm-hmm. It is interesting to me that Father and son are masculine terms in both Hebrew and Greek. Those are masculine terms. Holy Spirit in the Hebrew is a feminine, uh, hmm. like like a lot of languages, you indicate gender with the way the word is spelled. And Holy Spirit turns out to be a feminine thing. And it's, it, to me, it's the completeness of God and the activity of the Spirit. So Jesus tells us in John 14, the purpose of the Holy Spirit, that he's going to help you remember the things that you were taught. He sure. is going to continue to teach you new things. Um, he is going to uh, walk with you and be with you. So is it then? I'm just going to work through, work through this with you because I'm. I'm you know, That's perfect. Yeah. Uh, so Jesus twofold obviously came here with a mission, but also he seems. I think he seems to be, and he says to be, a revelation in, in himself that yes. he he shows us more of what God's real nature is. The spirit is not that way, right? It's more here on a practical kind of note. Yeah, he's going to tell us, the Holy Spirit's going to help us understand uh, what Jesus taught us and who he is and who God was. And he's also going to um, continue to walk with us. He is going to empower us. He is going to be our strength. Like here's the one way I like to think of it. God the Father sitting on the throne Jesus, after his resurrection, ascends and is seated at the right hand of the Father, mm-hmm. making intercession for us. Jesus is praying for us. Right. So when people say, I've encountered Jesus, what they actually mean is I've encountered the Holy Spirit because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Right. It is the Spirit. When we say, I felt God's presence, that was the Holy Spirit. He is with us. He is here. He is doing the work of Jesus on the earth. And he is the, he is the presence of God now that we all interact with. So then... But if if God is, so he never changes and he's always been omnipresent, mm-hmm. then what was that before, before the the death and resurrection of Jesus? Well, it was the same, but he wasn't in us. Mm-hmm. And so um, this is the difference, Old and New Testament. In the Old Testament, the spirit is doing his work and he would be in, you, you see uh, Elizabeth, Mary, the mother of Jesus, her cousin, Elizabeth, mm-hmm. who is pregnant with John the Baptist. Oh, and yeah, he's filled in the womb. He's filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. And this is prior to the death and resurrection of Jesus, obviously. So God did this on occasion uh, throughout history. But the promise is this is now for everyone. 
that um, Acts 1.8, you know, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses on the earth. So um, I love this idea from Ephesians that says that um, if the principalities and powers of this world had understood what was going to happen with with Jesus' crucifixion, they mm-hmm. would have never crucified him because they thought they were killing the work of God right. when in fact his resurrection then implanted the presence of God into the heart of every lover of God on the earth. Yeah. So it's like they just exponentially multiplied the work of God through the crucifixion. And that's the amazing part is that um, even if you don't understand who the Holy Spirit is, if you love Jesus, you've been participating in the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus said, you can't even come to me except the Spirit draw you to me. Right. So it was the Holy Spirit who drew you to even have faith and believe in the first place. So then what is it, to bring it back around to what we talked about briefly earlier, what is it that makes this not that simple then? Where it's, you know, it's split the, the even just the, um, you know, post-Reformation church right. into a, a hundred pieces, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, there became a lot of um, discussion about um, Holy Spirit activity and what that looks like. So, for example, in Acts 1-8, when this promise is made by Jesus, and then in Acts 2, verse 4, when it actually happens, the Holy Spirit comes, mm-hmm. uh, flames, uh, tongues of fire land on them. They begin to speak other languages they hadn't even learned. They were all earthly languages. Um, and then when when Peter stands up to explain all this to the crowd, who's like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. He says, this is that which is prophesied. And he points back to Joel chapter 2. And he he quotes a prophecy from the Old Testament that says, one day I will pour out my spirit on all people. And your sons and daughters will prophesy even mm-hmm. upon your servant girls. I'll pour out my spirit. And so God had made this promise hundreds of years before yeah. that there's going to come a time when I change everything and I'm going to pour out my spirit on all people. So uh, that begins to happen um, through the book of Acts. You see these incredible, miraculous things occurring mm-hmm. and they're all attributed to the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus through followers of Jesus. So the great discussion happens throughout history as the church and people's encounters with God have had um, maybe cycles of Holy Spirit activity like prophecy, tongues, healing, miracles, mm-hmm. etc., or great famines where there isn't that kind of occurrence. Sure. And so then in the great Pentecostal movement, about 1910 uh, or so, um, there's a great pouring out of the Holy Spirit in the United States mm-hmm. that happens at Azusa Street, places like that, Hot Springs, Arkansas. This began a what is now known as the modern charismatic movement, and so that peaked again in our you know in our modern history. Mm-hmm. This debate about whether those things still happen or not, and sure. so there are people called cessationists who believe that all of those miracles died with the apostles. And so uh, Corinthians talks about when I was a child, I spoke like a child, played like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And when the perfect comes, all those things are done away with. And Hmm. so for them, the perfect is the canonization of the scriptures. Now that we have the 66 books of the Bible, the Bible's complete. 
we don't need ongoing revelation from God. We have it all in one book. Hmm. And so the spirit stopped behaving like that at the completion of the scriptures. Which was 50 or or 100 years after After, Jesus was erected. Yeah. And so, uh, but there are other people who believe, no, 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 no. He hasn't ceased at all. He continues for those who are open to his presence and power. He continues to give um, words of knowledge and words of wisdom and do physical healings. And yeah, and how do you reconcile that cessationist view with Jesus saying that the Helper will be here for everyone forever? Well, they and that he that the Spirit calls people. And, yeah, well, they believe he does all that. Oh, okay, and, but just not big miracles, right? Gotcha. Yeah, and you're seeing um, <clears throat> my anecdotal observation is is you're seeing cessationists move off center from that. The fastest growing churches in the world are all charismatic churches. Hmm. Um, uh, cessationist venue streams of Christianity are in decline, while charismatic Pentecostal spirit uh, embracing movements are exploding across the earth. Hmm. And so uh, what I would say is that um, as we open our lives to and recognize the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that it, we have an invitation from God. Jesus said to the disciples, greater things than I have done, you will do. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not possible without the power of the Holy Spirit. Right. Cessationists also always, they, they talk about living a spirit-empowered life. They acknowledge that salvation is a work of the Holy Spirit, that your faith comes from the Holy Spirit. The question is, what all, where all can that take us? Mm-hmm. And um, what part of the things we see happen, and this is where you get into charismatic worlds, and you'll see lots of crazy, weird, dysfunction, nut jobs. And you say, well, if that's what that is, that can't be right. Sure. And so uh, a lot of we get sidetracked by human behavior rather than being able to see what is it God actually offers to do to, to us, for us, through us, uh, by his Holy Spirit. So then... But why is it the spirit specifically? Because we don't, some people get into split off with views on Jesus. More often than not, Jesus is not a, a divisive factor within Christianity itself. True. Um, and we, we worship Jesus. We worship mm-hmm. the father. But if a church says they worship the spirit, then, you know, <clears throat> some, some flags are popping up, you know. Yeah. And Jesus never told us to worship the Holy Spirit. He mm-hmm. never told us to pray to Jesus. He said, right. when you pray, pray, pray this way, our yeah. father who is in heaven. So you can start splitting a lot of hairs on should you even pray to the Holy Spirit? Should you talk to the Holy Spirit? Should you mm. should you uh, give all glory to God the Father? Should Jesus get all the glory? Um, again, I think you're kind of chasing your tail on things that don't matter for God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit are all one. There is no competition among them. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to... Because I believe in the the authority of the scriptures, I want to be as biblically accurate as I can. So I don't pray to Jesus. I pray to what Jesus taught me to. I pray to the Father. But I do talk to the Holy Spirit. Man, Spirit of God, help me. Because I know he is my helper. Mm -hmm. So when I need to overcome a temptation, when I'm confused and I don't know what to decide, and it's time to decide, when I have a crisis in front of me, when there's someone dying in front of me and I don't know what to do, you know, I'm going to call on the presence and power of the Holy Spirit to help me right now. Come be God right here, right now, so that I can participate in the supernatural. Yeah. 
So that's an important thing that we haven't really touched on, the power of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it It is can't be overemphasized in the Scripture. You know, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. Wow. You know, I mean, yeah. just think of that. That's yeah. staggering. So then it's hard for me to reconcile where it's kind of like, um, you know, like if you had to, it's probably a bad analogy, but if you had to like taste a wine or like some coffee, you have to find the notes in it, right? And if it was, if like a sommelier says, oh yeah, this clear, clearly has notes of cherry, you mm. can taste it and you taste vinegar. What'd you call you know? them? Sommelier? Wow, that's a you give me a new word every time we that do that one. I'm telling you, that one's legit. I know it's a legit word because I recognize <laughs> it once you said it, but I would have never been able to pull that out of my head or any orifice. Uh, I don't, you know, I I I have a friend who is uh, training to be one of those. Really, I still can't say the word. What what do you say? Somalia. Yeah. There's a joke in a show. I'm I'm having a hard time remembering what it is, but this guy says his his new girlfriend is a Somalian. <laughs> and she's a sommelier. Yeah, I, that's how I would probably say yeah. it. I mean, I'm I'm just curious about the etymology of that word, a sommelier. What does it have to do with I'm wine? Sh- that's a that's a great question. Thing. I'm sure it's French. I'd assume maybe mm. it's Italian. Mm. Anyway, uh, sorry we, to disrupt. Yeah, that. I just no, get it's caught a, up. I'm, I'm, I get wowed <laughs> by your intellect every time we do this. Uh, I promise you, it's not. It's not the greatest <laughs> thing it is. It speaks to the power of reading. I have always said mm. the greatest thing you can do is read. Yeah. You just learn so much when you read. It's true. Yeah. Um, but the uh, so, so flavors in like a wine, it'd yeah. be like it jumps out to the to a sommelier, but right. to, to me, you know, it tastes like nothing. You're oblivious, right? Yeah. So that's kind of how it always is with the spirit, where I have to like really look like, oh, maybe that was the spirit. Mm-hmm. But if if it if I'm doing what the Bible says, it's the way it should go. It should be. It should be the way where you can't not notice it. It should just punch you in the nose, right? Well, and you do have times where it's punched you in the nose. You just haven't said to yourself, that's the Holy Spirit. Hmm. When you have felt the overwhelming presence of God, when in a corporate worship environment, you have said, holy cow, I think God is in the room with me right now. You might have thought, Jesus is here. Hmm. You might have thought, man, God has filled the room. The glory of God is here. All of that. In fact, if you're a sommelier of the Spirit, <laughs> that is the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And he is doing his best work uh, in the room, you know, with us. Yeah. So he's doing his work among us, and we just don't recognize him for who he is. And I'm curious now, as we as we keep talking about this, mm-hmm. I'm going to throw my own self under the bus as your dad, sure. as your pastor dad, as your Pentecostal pastor dad. <laughs> You know, the, 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 the degree to which, and you graduated from, you know, a, a mm-hmm. Pentecostal university. Yeah. So, um, and so I'm not criticizing any of that. I'm curious, um, how you would describe what you've been taught about the Holy Spirit to this point in your life. Yeah. Well, it was kind of interesting. So, uh, very technically, I've been in an Assemblies of God church my whole life, mm-hmm. um, but really, my whole life, I've just been in the Church of Jim. Because <laughs> man, that is terrifying. <laughs> well, I'm I've enjoyed that it. Just but terrifies. It's me. the truth. You've been my know, you've been my only pastor. That is man, that's frightening. So it might be time for you to find a church. It might be. Um, but when I got to Northwest, it's a it's an AG school, right? You'd think there would be nothing surprising. Um, but you are actually on the 
probably the cessationist end of the charismatic movement. I would say that's probably true, yeah. So uh, going there... Uh, Which I'm nowhere near a cessationist, but right, I'm on right. the conservative end exactly. of the Pentecostal circle. Exactly. So uh, Where was Northwest in that spectrum? Well, I'm not sure. My exposure is pretty limited, but I'd assume closer to the middle. You know, yeah. uh, they We had one speaker who was really out there and he was and the reason i say that northwest isn't very far to the liberal end of the charismatic movement is because this guy was cranked to 11 on that end oh and it was bad enough to where the next it was a chapel on a wednesday or so Mm. and the following chapel service uh they were dr casper came out and addressed it and spoke on what on the school stances on it Mm -hmm. it was a big deal so I'm pretty sure they're closer to the middle, and the students of Northwest are not all Assemblies of God. In fact, the majority of them sure, are different sure. denominations. Yeah. So they have to leave some things open. Um, but there was a lot of, like, I never heard the word um, salvation used in the context that I'm now familiar with it, where um, can a Christian lose his salvation? I had no idea what that meant. Mm. Um, and stuff like that. Uh, I knew that uh, a lot of, that even the Assemblies of God stance is that uh, you cannot have the or the only the only physical sign of of having the spirit is speaking in tongues or having the gift of tongues well um so the the crafting of that word of that of that doctrine is mm-hmm. the initial physical evidence right so that the initial physical response to being filled with the holy spirit would be speaking in tongues it's a I, it's I, a hotly debated yeah it is and i i thought it was actually the only physical no evidence initial no. initial okay so um. Anyway, that that's the reason my my upbringing upbringing might have some blind spots. Sure. Um. And I asked you about it when I came back from uh, Northwest for a little while. Um. To where I was like, you know, where was all this? Mm-hmm. And uh, your answer was great. I'm sure you could elaborate on it if you want. But it was that basically what the um Bible shouts, you'll shout right. on the pulpit, and whatever whispers, you'll either whisper or not address mm-hmm. at the pulpit because it's, you know, it's the Bible is right. not as concerned with it as, right. as, and, and it might be divisive. And initial and evidence that makes sense is a whisper. Um, yeah. You know, we all, it's only occurs in one book of the entire Bible mm-hmm. um, in terms of being mentioned and discussed in that way. And it's not taught. It is uh, historical expressions of what sure. occurred from which the assemblies of God drew some conclusions. Mm hmm. So uh, anyway, that, and I don't know if that's, I think by nature of what the the spirit is, you know, it's, it's, it's all referred to as the wind, you know, it's just so mm-hmm. not tangible. The breath that, of God. Right. That yeah. even if I, uh, you know, was reading up on this for a while, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of stuff I'm never going to know about it. Um, so that's, that's most of my, so let me ask you, does he, the, do, does the thought, I keep the, referring, yeah, I'm sorry. I keep referring to the spirit as an it. I don't mean to, that's just, that's habit. Uh, he is. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, this is part of, um, where I think we have so much room and, and frankly, I feel like I have been as both a, uh, well, primarily as a pastor, not as a individual believer, um, too quiet on this subject. Hmm. and did not put enough emphasis on it. And, but in my private life, it has been a huge part of my life. Um, uh, Paul, the apostle, says, I pray in tongues more than all of you. He's, he's kind of <laughs> writing to the Corinthians who were going a little bit to the extreme on these kind of things. They were caring sure. more about all this uh, fanatical manifestational stuff while their character um, and the fruit of the Spirit in their lives was, being, was a, a train wreck. 
And so he said to them, I would re- I speak in tongues more than all of you, but I would rather speak five intelligent words that edify others than mm. a thousand words in another tongue. And that wow. has been my impulse, but I do pray in tongues all the time. And currently in mm. my life, I'm having some um, sort of a personal revival season, and I'm finding myself praying in the spirit in that way, uh, maybe more than I have in my whole life. So it's a very important part of my own connection to God and my sense that I have uh, an opportunity to connect with God, even in transrational ways, not irrational ways, but ways that are beyond my rational comprehension. Sure. And so it's an incredible uh, gift from God. And I, I do regret under emphasizing the person activity and role of the Holy spirit. And I probably primarily struggled with being afraid of Mm -hmm. the weirdness of people because when I was brought into this belief system, um, I was I wouldn't bring a friend to my church because of how weird the weirdos were. Sure. And so uh, I try really hard as a pastor to protect uh, the sheep. Mm. And um, so that's a whole different conversation. But yeah, well, I think part of it. So like like I didn't know I, you know, some of my buddies in Northwest came, came from churches where there was actual corporate um you know, meaning in the sermon, mm-hmm. uh, if someone had a prophetic word in tongues, they'd hand him a mic and they'd say it as long as someone else in the congregation had an, inter- an interpretation for right. it. This kind of stuff to me was from, from a different planet. Uh, and I think a big part of that is mostly just when you, it's just maturity. When you, when you learn of things that weren't like there were in your childhood, <clears throat> yeah. that's just the world. So I, I wouldn't, um, I don't have any ill will towards that specific oh, part sure. of Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you say some things, so again, caught me totally off guard. When you say pray in the spirit, mm-hmm. do you mean in tongues or do you mean? Well, I think that means that's one way to pray in the spirit. I don't mm-hmm. think that that's the only way to pray in the spirit. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will intercede for us with groans uh, that can't be uttered. So sometimes, I don't know if you've ever been this way where you're so upset, all you can do is just kind of groan. You can't even bring to words how you feel. Mm-hmm. And that God promises that the Holy Spirit can even intercede that and tell God the cry of your hearts and actually translate your prayers to God. Gotcha. So I mean, even that, I mean, spontaneous singing. Um, Hmm. um, It's something that's been very uh, edifying to me personally is to just make songs up while I drive my car and sing to the Lord a new song Hmm. and uh, sing in the spirit and with the understanding. So is what the scripture says. So there's a whole lot there. You're kind of getting into the nuts and bolts of, of spirit engagement, I I think that um, the thing I would want to open the door to in our conversation mm-hmm. is kind of an exploration of who he is, what is he about, and how can I uh, acknowledge my relationship with him and make room for him to be even more powerful in my life. Because here's the yeah. one thing I think we all would agree, that the way Jesus described what the Christian life was going to be like doesn't necessarily match what most of us experience. Would you say that? Yeah, yeah, I'd say that. And uh, how would you describe that? Like, what's different? That that disparity, you mean? Yeah. That, um, uh, it's a lot. I don't know. It's like reading a lot of the, you know, the, the early church. Like, it's like reading a fantasy book almost. You know, mm-hmm. like crazy stuff happening mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. And the level of certainty that I think is completely gone from 90% of Christians where, you know, Paul says... We were going to go here. Yep. The spirit wouldn't forbid let us. us. Yeah, yeah. For, yeah, said no. 
Yeah. You know, who can, who can say that with such certainty? When, in fact, when people do say that, I doubt them. I say, I think you're, you know, <laughs> you're trusting a little bit too much sure. in your instincts or sure. something. So uh, just those kinds of things. And yeah. uh, I, I think a lot of it is um, that uh, the Western world has its own kinds of things going on. And if you go to uh, other you know, places, other the places you're mm-hmm. going to see in, in missionaries and, and, and places with more spiritual mm-hmm. battles, you're going to see crazier stuff. So I think those things are happening everywhere. Yeah. Uh, but it's just, I don't know. I, I don't think know. that, I think that, uh, Biblically, there's a model that um, that the supernatural is more frequent and common on the outer expanding edges of the kingdom of God. So as you go mm-hmm. to places where there's been no exposure to Christianity, you will see more miracles than in places like the U.S. where sure. we were a Christian nation, supposedly. Mm-hmm. So out there on those front edges, how do you convince people in a village that God is real? You bring the sick to them and they get healed. And yeah. then they say, how did that happen? It happened because Jesus rose from the dead and he loves you and he and he died to forgive your sin. So you see, uh, and this is what happened in the book of Acts, as they keep expanding kingdom territory, right? Uh, you know, supernatural activity is occurring on those outer edges mm-hmm. um, at a higher volume. So I think there is a principle there. Now I look at us as a post-Christian culture and we have this, we have people, I mean, I, I meet people now and this is mind blowing to me because I grew up in the South. Mm-hmm. I meet people now. It's not uncommon to meet people say, what Easter has something to do with Jesus. Yeah. I never knew that. Sure. Um, I meet people. I've actually met people here in Olympia who have never had a conversation about the name of Jesus or the person of Jesus. And they know nothing about him. Really? Yeah. So I believe God is inviting us to be people who once again uh, rely on the supernatural acts of God to demonstrate the kingdom of God to people who are far from God. So uh, when you go to, back to Acts 1.8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my mm-hmm. witnesses. The whole purpose of the Holy Spirit is to empower us to live our lives the way Jesus described so that we are a peculiar people. We are people who who uh, handle grief differently. We're people who go through suffering differently. Sure. We are people who live these transformed lives and um, who are uh, carrying infected people with the power of God. And mm-hmm. so um, I think the opportunity for us to do that is is right in front of us. And so it's really important for us to uh, embrace the person of the Holy Spirit and his work in our lives, not only because of the evangelistic witness bearing part of that, mm-hmm. but also because many of us are stuck in our faith and we're yeah. wondering, I'm trying really hard. I want to live for God. I don't really feel a whole lot, but I want to live for him. I want to believe in him, but man, I, I got nothing. Right. And so I'm not overcoming my sin better than anybody else. I'm not making my marriage work better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. I don't have any secrets to parent this rebellious knucklehead kid I've got better than anybody else. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, my life seems to be no different than a person who doesn't believe in God. And so it's a critical time for us. So then we, we talk a lot about discipleship, or we, we, we try to. Yeah. Um, do you have a, a very practical way to get out of that? that exact life you're talking about, that guy who's stuck or that, that girl? Well, I think that, um, you know, what God has invited us to 
and called us to is to love. You know, they asked Jesus, tell us what it's all about. He said, it's these two things. Love God with everything you got, with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your body, your strength, and love every human being the way you love yourself. I think that um, one of the difficult parts about the Christian faith is uh, chasing after God, Hmm. like giving time and energy and attention to knowing God. Hmm. Um, Somebody described to this way, uh, there's a book called Blue Like Jazz, and a guy named Donald Miller wrote it, and he was talking about a gal he was talking to at a very liberal university, I think down in Oregon somewhere, and he's trying to talk to her about Christ, and she says, you know, I just need Jesus to happen to me. She said, you know how you meet lots of people, but all of a sudden you meet somebody and like, bam, you're good friends. Like, I'm going to be friends with you. And it just happens to you. Mm -hmm. Or you meet the person you're going to marry and it feels like it just happened to you. Right. She said, I just need Jesus to happen to me. Right. Mm -hmm. We all can identify with that. Yeah. And the truth is that um, uh, Hebrews 11 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God for you must believe that he exists. And that he rewards those who diligently seek him. So what I would say about uh, Holy Spirit activity is if we want to see more of the Holy Spirit in our lives, if we want to see more of the power of God released in our lives, we're going to have to spend more time with God. Hmm. So give attention to his word. Take time to be alone, to think, to pray, to listen, and to invite God, do something in me. Be powerful in me. Yeah. Fill me with you. I don't know what all that looks like. I'm not even sure what I'm asking, but happen to me. Give me yourself. And I think that that's how we will start to see more of his activity in our lives. So I got two questions. Okay. But first, I want you to give me a little bit of a commercial. Okay. Take a break and then I'm going to ask my two questions. Okay. So, uh, man, here's the commercial today. We really, I, I, I speak for myself. I think I speak for you as well, John. I'm sure. Um, we really have a dream to see this tool of this podcast and our blogs, whatever, our writing, to be useful to people at a higher volume. So our big ask today is uh, <laughs> if you like the podcast, man, do something today to help us promote it. Uh, text a friend, uh, you know, uh, send someone the link. Um, Whatever. Tweet share, about it. Yeah, share, share about it. it or, yeah. Uh, help us grow the audience. And then the second is consider supporting us on Patreon because uh, we we are looking for people who want to invest in this dream. And as people partner with us, our financial tool is Patreon. You can see that on our webpage, jimandjohn.com, no H in the John. <laughs> so jimandjohn.com. Um, you can join, you can become partners in this and help actually make this mission go further faster. Yeah. And, and we, we plan to be doing this for a long time, but we also want to be writing more books, you know, after yeah. the pursuit, we want to, we want to, uh, make this go further. And, uh, the more that this can make, the more money we can devote to that and make that happen. So, uh, if you, if you feel impacted by it, if you want to see that happen, yeah, then just, just share the word. And there's some it. rewards for being partners with us, but they don't match the dollar investment. This is about investing in a dream and a vision to be a, a resource to help people go further in their faith. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, so you can follow us on Twitter. We'll talk about all that at the end. Sure. Okay. Okay. My two questions. Okay. Uh, one, 
does he ever say why the book is called Blue Like Jazz? Because that's a that's one of the coolest book names I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> uh, and it, it didn't seem to connect automatically. Well, I think that that following God, walking with God, is more like jazz than it is like any other music because jazz is kind of not syncopated, not clear. Mm-hmm. It it can move and be fluid. I think, as I recall, that was what that was about. Well, I'm all about that. It's real. It's a great book. That's awesome. Okay, second one. More on topic. Um, when you say, you know, you, you seek God and he, uh, you know, kind of the give an inch, get a mile type thing. You didn't mm-hmm. say that, but that's kind of, I feel like that's, uh, almost the nature is that if you, if you seek him, he promises, he will reveal himself to you. And, and at some point, he is not way. playing hide and seek. And he right. is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. So in my own experience, um, this happened, but it was not in the way, you know, I'm not Elijah seeing fire come down from, sure. from heaven. So I, uh, this, you know, when, when, uh, the gospels say you're a new human, the old is gone, the new has come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That wasn't a reality to me until I started, um, pursuing, you know, God and specifically spending time in the word. So yeah. I actually found myself desiring new things. It's, it's a crazy, it's, it's a promise. Yeah. And, um, and as I recall, Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not a, a, a long ago experience. No, this is pretty recent. And it and it paralleled your decision to give more time and attention to the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, and it was pretty quick. But you know, uh, when you, you have thoughts and you're like, "Well, that's a that's a terrible thing," and you and you you're just constantly at war with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably never going to stop. But it definitely was lessened. The the burn of it, the yeah. kind of irritation of it, yeah, um, started to go away because because I I believe the spirit was changing me, yeah. And so that I'm I'm 100 percent behind and, and familiar with. But when when I say I want to live a life like Paul, yeah, you know, and I want yep. to, and I want to be a part of things like that. Mm-hmm. My question really is: Are there people who will never who who aren't um, destined not destined? who aren't really going to live that life, even if they're doing it right, even if they're walking real close with God, are there people who are just kind of going to live more uh, pedestrian is the terrible way to put it. But- uh, that's a great question. Cause when I read the book of acts, I wonder, you know, these are the, these are the, these are the big headline stories, right? How many, of how many, how voluminous were the believers who were just living their lives, mm-hmm. plowing their fields, raising their cows, you know, yeah, all of all of the early church, yeah, living their like? life yeah. and not having these experiences, right? Um, but it, 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 if you if you look at that, you see that there were there were um, there was an awareness of and participation of the Spirit's activity even among all the believers. They broke bread together, had joy in their hearts. They were experiencing the activity of God in their lives. And so, what I would say is, there are gifts God gives. Some people mm-hmm. have a gift to be able to teach or to be able to believe for a miracle or to be able to uh, have a word of knowledge. Some of those are resident gifts that God gives to a person, and now they have that gift. They can use it. Others are are, um, moment gifts like, hey, we need a word from God right now, and bam, he gives it to someone in the room because we need it, but they don't carry around that gift all the time. But here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is in all of us who believe. And so I think it's like learning uh, new to believe new things, to try new things, to trust new things. 
and to uh, start this relationship. There's the key word, I think, to start a relationship with the Holy Spirit where you recognize him and you ask for him to empower you and you recognize his presence in every room you're in and give opportunity to sense what he might be trying to prompt you with or to say to you uh, and to make room for that. I've got this thought lately that's really setting me, uh, getting me excited Mm -hmm. um, about the practicality of this. And that is that these two words, altar, A-L-T-A-R, and Mm -hmm. stewardship. And so the altar is the place where we commune with God. We listen to God. We receive from God. That's that private place. Sure. And stewardship is the public place where I, with discipline and intentionality, practice what he has given me in the quiet private place. Gotcha. And so uh, Christianity is always these two tracks that the train runs on. I have a lone time with God where he speaks to me, empowers me, and he builds me up and he fills me with himself and I learn the word and whatever. And then I have the public place where now out of discipline and uh, risk and effort, I live out what he has done in me. Hmm. And so if you're living out without the fuel inside, you're going to get exhausted, run out of gas. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, if you camp out at the altar and all you want is to keep having these, um, frankly, orgasmic spiritual experiences, and you just want more and more and more of that, and mm-hmm. you're not doing anything in a stewardship practical way to live out what he's doing in you. Sure. They're both dysfunctions. And so these tracks have to operate together. And so what we typically do is we focus on the living track. I mm-hmm. want to love my wife better. I want to overcome my sin, you know, but we're doing that without this private place where we're receiving power, presence, and help from God. So you're not, yeah, you're wanting that, the fruit without actually, without, without recharging and, and putting an effort in that. Without tilling the soil right, and, right. and fertilizing the seed and working the ground. That's a great yeah. analogy. So that's, uh, I think that's my takeaway. That's a huge aha because I don't, um, I think there's a lot to be said about privately enjoying God. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the big reasons why we were made. I agree. Um, and, uh, and there's not much wrong with that. Um, but there's a lot to be said also that we, we specifically as, um, disciples and followers of Jesus can't isolate you know, it'd be irresponsible. Right. Um, and I think that because when you say that the the spirit is a helper, which I've I've obviously known that, but it's never clicked that he's a helper for your mission, for, for a right. goal, not for you to yeah. enjoy it just you, in your room. Right. You'll receive power so you can be my witness. Exactly. And the word witness there is martyrion, where we get the word martyr. Mm. So the spirit comes and empowers me that I might die to myself and live for God. So that's the stewardship part. Yeah. Empower you to sacrifice, not just empower you to empower you. Empower me to disappear and live him live through me. You know, we think of stewardship in financial terms. I give, I, you know, that I give money to God, but stewardship is my whole life. When I sign up, when Christ purchases me, he owns me. And now my life is a life of stewardship. So the way I manage my sexuality, the way I live my life, the way I do my work, the way I relate to others. All of that is an expression of my stewardship to God. He owns me, mm-hmm. but I don't have power to do that without the power of God in me. So he gives me power so that I might die to myself and live for him. 
That's awesome. That's definitely my takeaway. Because, That's awesome. Yeah, because I don't honestly, like, that That might be a whole other episode, but I don't do a whole lot of that actual uh, physical outreach um, where mm-hmm. I'm, where these things might actually be useful. So it'd be, um, I don't know, it'd be like, why don't I do a whole lot of surfing? And it's like, well, it's because you live in Montana. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah, you know, um, this is one thing about where that can take you. Mm-hmm is all of us want the power of God to happen to us, but none of us want to be in the place where if the power of God doesn't show up, we're in trouble. Right. I want to <laughs> no enjoy to him. I just it. don't want to desperately need exactly, him. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you well, have a takeaway from this? You were definitely, I was the, the learner on this one, which I'm very appreciative of, but do you have a, a well, I think, I think um, my takeaway because of what I'm going through in my own journey of faith right now is this private public you know, to be privately healthy with God so I can be publicly fruitful for God. Mm. And that, that, that is, that's a pairing that needs to be balanced and intention all the time. And so, um, that's, that's really my, my drive. He's here, man, he's here. And because he's God, he's not, he's not really fond of boxes. We put him in like a cessationist box, or this is how, or even an initial evidence box, or this is Mm -hmm. how that works. He loves to just blow those boxes away. So I say, man, come Holy Spirit and fill me that I might glorify Jesus. Just help me to open my life to more of your presence and power. That's awesome. All right. Well, hey, listen, thanks for listening today. Um, You can follow us on Instagram at at Jim and John. No ad on Instagram, just Jim and John. Oh, Jim and John. So it's Mm J-I-M-A-N-D-J-O-N. No Jim and John. And Twitter at Jim and John one. Yep. Uh, but you can find all the, the starter for all this. You can find it at the website, jimandjohn.com. Jimandjohn.com. And man, if you listen, subscribe to the podcast, give us a rating. If you wouldn't mind, that helps too. And uh, thanks for listening. We're really grateful. Appreciate it. See you next week on time next week. <laughs> yeah.